sincere benefit to living in someone else's country without a residence like i have residency here i can say mm. as long as i want but i'm i don't vote like i'm not technically a citizen here so i don't know why sometimes that gives me peace of mind but i'm like yeah it's not my problem <laughs> anyways welcome to what are you guys talking about what are you guys talking about hello everybody welcome to another episode of what are you guys talking about this is edward burgos and jason sherode the two founding members of love victoria productions sitting around Telling you about well, this week we're going to talk about Teddy Teddy Perkins. Teddy Perkins. Uh, this is this is like two, episode I, six. Yeah, I mean, this will have to go in like our TV folder, but technically it could go into like inside LVP Studios because this is one of those like cultish things for me. Like if you know me and I haven't thrown this video on you and said you need to watch this and tell me how good it is, then you need to watch this and tell me how good it is. The good news for you today is like I don't even know we need to do first impressions because it's only thirty seven minutes long. So <laughs> I'm like, come on, it's. Season two, episode six of Atlanta mm -hmm. is this, and it is a one-off. You don't really need to yeah. know anything about the series whatsoever to watch this. It's a 37, it's a horror short, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. And it is, at least in my view, of the stuff I've watched over the past five years, let's say, A, it's in my wheelhouse, so this is the type of horror that I'm writing, the type of horror I want to be involved in, the type of horror I like to, because it deals with some racial kind of elements within the horror part of it, which we'll talk about. But um, it's also just one of the best ones I've ever seen. And so, you know, I, I went to Fright Fest, what, in August and was talking to a few people about this. I think John, you know, John, Katie, Katie's John, John Dodson listened to me and was like, what are you talking about with Teddy? I said, Teddy Perkins, look it up, watch the episode. It's amazing. But I'm going to drop this, you know, if you're listening to this, it's been dropped on the Fright Fest forum page because I think everybody should just at least watch this. And I would love, love, love to hear commentary from my horror buddies on this one. Usually... You guys stay quiet on my stuff because we jump all over the place and aren't, you know, hardcore like we used to be. But guys, I really want to know what you think about this stuff because this is the type of stuff I'm writing. So if you all think it's crap, tell me why you think it's crap because I always love the way that's so eloquently put. And in, 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 we're going to talk about what's eloquently put in the particular story. But simple story goes on with that. That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, let me quickly talk about brass tacks. So again, that usually takes up another couple minutes here, but www.lovevictoriaproductions is our webpage with everything on there. That is where you should go if you want to see the full gamut of what we offer. Um, that has Dirty 20 on there. It has the podcast. It has the short films. It has everything that we do and more to come you know, very shortly. So 
you know, please check that out. As I said, I still keep the sizzle reel up because it, sadly enough, a, a year and a half on, two years on from the Halloween sizzle, sizzle reel, still kind of brings a tear to my eye because, it, it, you know, we, we do have such a great network of people we work with. And the only real way for you to see that is kind of go on the website and poke around with people we've worked with. Um, who have been absolutely awesome to us over the years. So that's the best way, but you can also reach out to us on SoundCloud where this podcast is or any of the other major podcasting platforms. Um, I tend to listen through Apple Podcasts just because that's where all my other podcasts are. We are on social media via Facebook with Jason Chereau and Edward Burgos. Love Victoria Productions also has a, a, a company page there. We have a company page on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram, Jesse J. Chereau and Anano LVP. Uh, oh, that's Twitter. me on Instagram. Say again? That's me on Instagram. Did yes. you say? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. He's thinking He's thinking of Twitter's the other yeah. one. Twitter is at Mouth Love Victoria, where I think this week I was tweeting about, um, we can talk about this for fun. Yeah, Super Bowl. Super Bowl and Taylor Swift. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't quite follow the thread that you were Yeah, you were see, this about. is the problem. Some of you are going to have to start living because LVP Music will be starting up soon, I'm sure, <laughs> um, because I am playing. I'll be home tonight playing for like an hour. Um and it is, I just keep gushing about it on the podcast because it's like a kid in a candy store. Like, mm. I, I, I want to start, like, last night I wanted to write and I was like, you have to write, Jason. I'm like, but I just want to play for a little while. <laughs> and then I got to like one in the morning, like, okay, I guess you're just playing tonight. <laughs> so I needed, what I needed is just hit the recorder on so I can start messing around with it. So what happened with Taylor Swift and... Uh... Okay, so, so Taylor Swift, just so you guys know, um, I am part of the Taylor Swift army. Tay 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 all the way. Ed knows this. Ed finds it funny sometimes, but I really do think she is one of the most talented songwriters of her, of her class. You okay. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, you, it's the same reason you, you know, I have seventies artists, eighties artists, ninety artists. I love songwriters. Like it's just, it's the way you take poetry to music that way. That's what she does. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, you know, we live in, a, in, in an age of Twitter media is the real problem, mm. but you know, everyone assumes that rock stars are just these brilliant people. Like I grew up with them, so I'm like, they're not. Mm. You know, they're they're usually worse because they've spent most of their life in this bubble because they don't have to have a real job. So mm. you know, so the lead singer of Blur, who I can't remember his name uh, for the life Alban, of me, something Alban. Um, he gets in trouble sometimes for mm. saying things. Yeah, yeah. And he was being interviewed, and he said, you know, I don't like Taylor Swift. I like Billie Eilish, I like her music because she co-writes her stuff, but. Taylor Swift doesn't write her shit. I don't like it. Taylor Swift writes all her music. Okay, uh, that's this. You know, and like, and it's good. That's that's the problem I had. So just as a little shout out to Tay Tay, and to be like, man, you need to know what you're talking about before you say that on the news. Like, that's why I was tweeting lyrics because I was like, these are good lyrics. Like, this is a good story. And that's the best thing is a lot of her lyrics are story based. Like, they're not about some of them are about her, but other ones she just creates these really great, believable stories about love and about whatever. Like. It's brilliant. Like, it's what every bard should be doing in Bardess, you know? So that's why I get mad, because I'm like, actually, it's the same reason I, I had to shit on myself, being like, don't shit on Ed Sheehan. The guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> These guys know what they're it, doing. It, it happens, though. Sometimes we look at someone and we assume that we know everything about them, you know? But yeah, he, it, he's he's quite famous for putting his foot in his putting mouth. Putting his foot in his mouth. And, yeah. and that's what I mean. The, the problem I had is then the response is always so over the... Oh, my God, I used to love the guy from Blur. I'm like... You can still love the guy from Blur. He's just an idiot. You know, like, we're all idiots. I'm sure we've all said... We've all said stupid shit. Stupid shit like that. It's just, the the problem, you know, Mr. Blur, like, as I said, if I was your lawyer, I'd be like, don't do that when you're being interviewed, though. You know what I mean? But come on, man. We all love Keith Richards. How much shit has he said in an interview that we couldn't understand, you know? Like, it's like one of the cooler things I've got going on. I'm actually going to see him on Saturday. My buddy Mark, you met Mark. Before. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm going up to Oxford to see him on, on Saturday because his wife's out of town. So he's like, I'm having a party. I'm like, well, I'm there. Sweet. <laughs> Crashing on your couch. Um, 
but yeah, he um, he and I have tickets to Ozzy Osbourne, which mm-hmm. we have had like a year before COVID when we bought him. Oh, wow. And man, the amount of time, like it's never going to really happen. We're pretty sure. <laughs> we lost our Pearl Jam tickets and we lost our, because I go to concerts with him and we lost these Ozzy Osbourne. It was Judas Priest and Ozzy Osbourne. Mm. And it was just like, oh, the amount of times it was oh. like, we're really sorry, but Ozzy's not going to be able to join us. What a shame. Really not. And it was just like, he's not coming on stage. We saw him for Black Sabbath like three years ago mm-hmm. and he couldn't even move, you know, like bless yeah. him. Like <laughs> he was just kind of sitting there doing this. Yeah. And My mom sometimes watches it's like Doctor Roboto. <laughs> My mom sometimes watches um, the 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 psychic the ghost show that his his son has. Oh no, I haven't watched that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can never tell how I feel about the Osbournes because like part of me totally respects it because that's the world I grew up in, you know, mm-hmm. with like really wealthy people that you know like completely spaced out. But then like they turn around sometimes and they're just so like you don't understand us like. No, no, children. It's you who don't understand the world because you grow with a boatload of money. So, you know, I'm just saying, man, you know, like, uh, it's okay. A lot of people get an Oxycontin addiction. A lot of people die from that, Jack, because yeah. they don't have any money. Yeah. So, you know, like, I love them, but other times I'm like, man, what, what, why are these people still around? Like, what are they doing? Anyways, Jack Osborne is supposed to be a really nice guy, though. So yeah. I, won't, I won't shit on his shows, but yeah, no, I haven't watched his, <laughs> I haven't his recent, really. his recent attempt to stay, to, stay in the, to stay in the media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. He has his parents there commenting on, like, ghost. Does he? Uh, yeah, so yeah. it's Ozzy and Sharon commenting on, oh my god, I am going to have to watch this. <laughs> Jack, I'm sorry I just shat on your show. It sounds great. I'll check it out tomorrow. <laughs> no, I, it's the kind of thing, like, in the art institution, they were, like, they were the first, like, family reality TV mm-hmm. show, weren't they? And probably one of the best. I, you know, I can't stand the Kardashians. I just don't I'm get it. Like, fan. I don't, don't get me wrong, she's beautiful. Kim Kardashian is gorgeous, but that's all I really see. And maybe that's just my own stupidity, you know what I mean? Like, they, they seem very kind of pre-produced. I just, you know, I grew up with people with money. Who cares? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, you know, my, my wife will sit and watch all these shows, mm-hmm. and, like, it makes me kind of nervous, too, because I'm like, man, if we have this kind of money someday, is this how you're going to want to be? Because I hated these people. Like, I was always the weird kid that didn't want to hang out with anybody because I was like, I don't know. Anyways, we're getting horribly sidetracked. But luckily, <laughs> as I said, we're only talking about a 37-minute uh, show today. So let's go back to first impressions, all right? And the only one I didn't mention, by the way, was at, uh, at LVP Film Life with TikTok. Nothing there at the moment, but I'm, like, raring to get something on TikTok now. So hopefully in the next couple weeks we'll have some fun stuff start rolling out for that. Some reactions and, and other good stuff. Um, who who should avoid this? Like, Ooh. just just for our listeners, it's thirty seven minutes. So I just want you to catch that one out of our. We had one hundred and twenty one listeners last week. So mm-hmm. thanks, guys. Um, but just one of those one hundred and twenty one, you know, will actually be like. Oh, this is I hated this, Jason. Yeah, I think if you didn't like The Shining, I th- I feel like this is the. I know these are these are very large words because The Shining is considered to be the greatest horror film. Blah blah blah. I know, and it's like stuff. Stanley Kubrick telling me yeah. you look like him, and it's like, well, if you didn't like The Shining, Jason, I'm like, I don't know if I can take that from you, Stanley. <laughs> um, but. But th- this is just really, really good in every sense of the word. I, I, I was a bit worried that I, I wasn't sure how much I would have to say about it because the thing that I remember the most is the performances in the episode, which are spectacular. Uh, <laughs> that's really understatement, yeah. Right. And we'll, we'll get we'll get into that uh, a little bit more. But it's also really, really well shot. 
Um, Good. That's the reason I wanted you. Like that's why I wanted to podcast it because mm. it's the the classic shots, the the shining shots, the classic horror movie tropes, the mm. dark house, the yeah. like. This is all there. It's just whether you can deal with like the other element. As I said, there's there's a bit of racial humor in there. So yeah, there is, and and you know, I think there was there was a couple of things that I I didn't quite understand. I wasn't sure. Um, kind of, you know what the commentary was. Yeah, because this is this is like black urban legend stuff. Mm. Like this is stuff that everybody was talking about, but like right. obviously the subject matter is a bit dicey. Yeah, yeah. So people were like, uh And it, it's very interesting because that like you said in the intro, like this episode is very unlike the rest of Atlanta. No, I mean we've toured with doing an entire separate set of podcasts called Episode Five because one of our favorite episodes of Mythic Quest was episode five, which deviates completely from yeah. the story and we like those and there were a bunch of other yeah, on apple yeah. tv around that time yeah. there's a ted lasso that does that like it's a good idea to us we think to sometimes let a good writer go in a different direction in the same world yeah just it's just so surprising and it brings a freshness backstory backstory yeah <laughs> <laughs> another one of our favorites <laughs> uh so who's this not for i guess if you're if you don't like uh, horror films um this is probably not for you uh, if you don't like that kind of sense of unease that is a great part of, of great horror films, mm. uh, then this is this is probably not for you. But other than that, I honestly think that, you know, anyone who appreciates kind of, uh, you know, cinematography and the tropes of uh, the language that you're using with the shots that you're choosing... Um, you know, frames within frames. That was one thing that I was really blown away by. Yeah, um, there's a lot of that. A lot of that. Uh, I mean, that, from, that's... from the very opening, you know. In, and it, in and the, it's funny because it's it's store. one of those things that like, um, oh man, until you started talking to me about that, like from a director's standpoint, you never notice it mm. a, when you're watching. You would not notice it, but it adds so much just by putting it there. So what it does is is because you're used to seeing these things in these types of films. It gives you a sense of expectation for what's coming up. And that, that can be very, very good. It can put people in the kind of right frame of mind. And sometimes we talk about films and we say, oh, this film doesn't really know what it's trying to do or it doesn't know what it wants to be. And part of that is it's not communicating through shot selection and, you know, the, the way they make the, the film um, they're not really communicating that unspoken thing with the audience. That's right. I mean, it's the biggest thing we pick, pick out of, like, and I don't want to say amateur because there's never a feature film that could ever be considered an amateur film, but, you know, the, the, the indie budget, low budget first features, one of the things that sends them off immediately is the use of, and I do it in my own writing, so please, like, don't, don't think, like, Jason, you're such an asshole. Like, how do you do it? Like, is dialogue. Like, Nine times out of ten, you don't need the dialogue. You need to show the mm. audience what you want them to see. Mm. Like, this is why I, I fell in love with PTA. Because mm. when he gets it right, wow, he's just... <laughs> this is what right. I wanted you to know. And you're like, yeah. oh. Other times, like I said, The Master was funny. Because that was kind of like my first dive into de- you know to looking at his art. And there were a bunch of moments when it was like, nope. Paul no, didn't, didn't not working. Know, didn't know where you were going with that not one. It's cool, it. it's cool, yeah. man, but I didn't really right. know. Yeah. And, and I think that that is the pitfall. Often, as a as a director and shot choices and cinematographers, you can get kind of caught up in, oh, this is just going to look beautiful, this is going to look cool. 
but what is it communicating to the audience? No, I, I think you have to read. You know, you gave me that really fortunate book when I was heavier into directing when I was doing dandelions and stuff like that. That talked about what was it, conversations with other directors, mm. and that's it's a good book and a horrible book to read at the same time. Why is it a good book? Well, it's a good book because it goes through the top directors of our era, so Scorsese. Alan all have like a paragraph, not even paragraph, sorry, two or three chapter, pages yeah, yeah. that they talk about. And the reason it's bad is when I, I finished reading it, gave it back to Ed, and I was like, it actually scared the shit out of me. And he's like, why? I'm like, because you're dealing with like 20 of the best minds in film. And they all like, some of them literally just rock up on the day and are like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, okay, most of us would love to be that way. 99.9999% of us aren't. Mm. However... I think it's important to see that some directors can walk into a studio and just make it on the day that way. You have to balance between the two. You have to balance between creating that spontaneous art or maybe moving with that spontaneous movement that happens in your directing and then having a plan and something that you're going to go with as an indie director. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I like the most about that particular book, it's called Masterclass, um, and it's is really the fact that there's no one way to go about it. No, it's it's you just know? all that confidence in that book. It's, that yeah, that's it's that's what ha, it's how you it's your process, right? And how you get to certain places. That's what I mean. Like like don't read that book and then say, "Oh man, cuz this is what everybody does." I did it. You read the book and you're like, "Oh man, I suck. Mm, I'm not I could, I could I'm not these, these guys. Ones, yeah. I don't do it that way. I do it my own way." That's not the point. Mm. Like the point they're making is all of these guys have a plan in their head. Mm. Even if they just rock up on the day to shoot, that's the plan. I'm going to rock up on the it's day. Their, it's their way of doing it. I'm going to put myself in a creative environment mm -hmm. where I can do this. I'm not even going to block it yet. I'm just going to do it. I think that's Alan's way of going in. Woody Allen's way of yeah, coming Yeah, the Coens uh, don't like doing Yeah, they don't like to set up any of their stuff. You know, like you may be the opposite way around and want to meticulously set everything out. That's okay. Yeah. The whole point is that you get from point A to point B. And even we suffer from that. This is why we're talking about features now and changing the game book again because... This is what keeps you from getting from point A to point B. You second guess, oh, is this how we should do it? No, maybe we should do it this way. Well, this guy said to do it that way. Like, no, use the way that you think mm. works. If it doesn't, you can change it. Very true. Very true. Anyways, that's that's the reason to watch this. If you are a horror buff, why I'm dropping this in Fright Fest, there are so many educational points to this 37 minutes. It's well scripted, well written, well shot. So I think it's for everybody, aside from... If you're one of those people that complains about the woke crowd now, avoid. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't even think this would be in your wheelhouse anyway. No, Atlanta is definitely not for you. Atlanta is not really going to work for you. I, I don't know what you're watching these days, but but this would not be something that you would, you know, there would be commentary you would have mm -hmm. about the woke crowd again with this one. And I don't, you know, it's certainly not bashing anyone over the head on this or even really saying much of anything. It's just, I no, can see not, that crowd not, being like, yeah, it's, ah, it's not don't look up or, or, or anything like that, but it's definitely trying to say something. Yeah. Which I, personally, I appreciate. Yeah. And no, I thought it was, I thought it was hilarious what they were trying to say. <laughs> so, and I guess, yeah, I mean, who else wouldn't want to see this one? I had someone else in mind. That's probably it. Just the woke crowd. <laughs> just the woke crowd. I don't know. There will be some horror purists that just think this thing takes too many liberties and does too many things with too many things. But mm. even them, I'm like, really? Like, you try to write one better than this. <laughs> so so check it out. You know, I, as I said, it's 37 minutes. Go there. If you really hate it, then I guess don't watch the 37 minutes and, and come back to us next week. But otherwise, Ed, what are you watching this week? Well, um, so I watched, I think I told you, uh, Dune last week. Uh, the, the David Lynch. The David yeah. Lynch, yeah. yeah. And because of that, uh, Amazon Prime suggested Children of Dune. 
to me. Okay, so that was the Sci-Fi Channel sequel. Yeah, right? it's James McAvoy as well, which must be one of his earliest must roles. Be. Yeah, I yeah. never watched. I watched the original two-parter, yeah, yeah. which was supposedly infinitely. When I watched, it, I did feel it was better mm. because that was the era it came out in. Mm, right? Right, right, like right. Children of Dune will be the same way. Like nowadays, you look at it and you're like, Ew. yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Wow, this yeah. is like Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> and that's not saying it as a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't finish it, um, but... Uh, it was only seven hours long, right? <laughs> well, like, I, I really, I, I guess it's because we watched, you know, Doom Part 1 from uh, Denis Villeneuve, but I really dug the the kind of the mythology and the, you know, the Bene Gesserit, which I think in the past I hadn't really clocked on, and bear in mind that I've never read the book, uh, because I am illiterate, as Jason will tell you. <laughs> but uh, um but but yeah I, I really dig it and i'm really looking forward to the i think it's called sisterhood which is the tv show that uh, denis villeneuve is working i, I on. definitely think like listen because you get in a book like six or seven and there is more dedication made to the Bene Gesserit how many what they books do. are there in, in oh i wouldn't know off and i think like nine or ten wow. maybe more okay. i think hubbard's you know it usually goes that the sun keeps writing i think there's a couple of those mm-hmm. um but i wrote up to what uh, i finished emperor of dune which is one of the cooler ones mm. and it was the one after that because and is it all like atreides and and that stuff or does I'd it jump giving around away an awful okay lot. fair enough fair but enough yes fair enough. I, the, the, the short answer is yes this mm. is all about long-term legacy mm. and that's part of what those books deal with i think the problem is the longer you go in the series the more um i keep saying ronald hubbard because because frank <laughs> herbert had a definite philosophy a philosophy that i adopted his so his views on religion that are talked about and, is, and is, is he was he quite a hardcore atheist? Or? Kind of. No, I wouldn't say hardcore atheist. He's more some. See, someone as religion as a manipulation too. Mm, gotcha. The entirety of Dune is about how you can use religion to manipulate yourself into positions. Mm. Ah, with my Christian brethren listening, back <laughs> on, like, sorry guys. Like yeah. that's the arguments I get into. Is is it's not that I I knock anyone else's beliefs like. I'm not right. Like, I don't know mm. about anything about anything. It's just, for me, I don't feel the need to have those things to guide my life under those things. And I feel other people do. And then people step in to use those things against other people. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's I mean, like yeah. I just found on Google Maps, I found out there's a huge temple to Mithras underneath the Bank of England. And I was like, huh. What? Jeez, uh, oh, what's Mithras? What's that? So Mithras. Okay, mm. so this is explaining just a little bit about why I'm questioning about religion. It is mm. not because I'm just a hater. Like it's mm. because I'm well read. Mm. And the problem you have with the character of Jesus Christ, and I say the character of Jesus Christ, not the person, because the person really lived and died. Mm. I'm not. I'm not negating that. Okay, mm. but the character of Jesus Christ has certain elements that are based off of an older cult that's not even Roman. It's from earlier times called Mithras. Okay. And Mithras was born of a virgin. Mm. People drank Mithras' blood to be empowered by him. He was a soldier's god. Yeah. And so soldiers worshipped him in secret all over the, you know, all over the Roman Empire. Many of his things were adopted into the story of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. to help popularize that story. Gotcha. This is just like how the flood myth has survived, what, seven religions? Eight religions? like. Don't get me wrong. There's something probably all there. Mm. I'm just the kind of person that doesn't have to know. Like right. I'm like I'm more happy with the unknown. I think mm. it's 
I don't know. I'll probably completely change my mind about this in 10 years when I get older. But at the moment, like, that's pretty interesting, right? Yeah, because, yeah. like, you don't know what's going to happen next. Mm. So mm. hopefully something happens. If nothing happens, it'll just be the biggest letdown of all time, which you'll be dead. So what a little matter, right. you know? Anyway, yeah. sorry. But that's Dune talks about that on, on a mass effect, how religions affect mass consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's part of what's happening in Dune Part 1 it's always important to understand, and they did throw elements of it in there. I still think, honestly, that um, the the Paul Atreides from, um, and he's a big actor now anyway, from, from David Lynch's, is actually the better character for this. Because it's all about his terrible purpose. Mm. He knows from the very first moment, and the book's really good at, at showing this, mm. he knows from the very first moment that he's a pawn. Mm. Other people are going to use him mm. to, to kill, to do right. all these things, right. and to create this horrible war, this 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 jihad mm. across the universe. Mm. And it just talks about why that's bad, like mm. why that's not necessary, but is part of human nature. Right, you know right, what right. I mean? And you know, he goes on from that in, in his further books. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. That's right. <laughs> Another thing that I watched this week, which is like maybe the polar opposite of the depth of Dune, right. uh, is a. It's on Prime currently. Um, it's the Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt. Oh, you just yeah. said Chris Pratt, so I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy is about all I can tolerate for that guy. Uh, and yeah, super disposable. Um, Does he play Chris Pratt big, again? Yeah, of course. That's why, I mean, that's that's He's, my... He plays dad Chris Pratt. Yeah, you know, you know? That's, that's my gripe. It's like, could you just play something different? Yeah, but you know, we've, we've always had these movies. Oh, Harrison Ford, God bless him. Yeah, he played the same guy. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm just a hater because he, you know, he's the kind of guy I'm like, I probably have a beer with him. Same as that other guy. The guy I'm always dissing on. The one from um, uh, Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's just too cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but it was a sci-fi and to a certain degree it was it was kind of enjoyable. I mean, I'm I'm super an apologist for anything sci-fi. I, I hear you. I can be the same way. Depen- mm. I got to be in the right mood for it though. You mm. know me now. Patience. Problem is, family and patience have definitely intruded onto my sci-fi. Life. And you know, t- time as well. There's only so much time that you can devote to terrible sci-fi. Right. Movies. It's like when people are like, oh, have you watched the complete series of Babylon Five? I'm like, fuck no, I haven't watched that. You know uh, what that is? But it did get me to catch up with a series that. Um, I think it's really good. Uh, the Expanse, uh, which I is know. also on Amazon I, Every Prime. time I pass it on Prime, I'm like, Ed has told you seven times now <laughs> to watch this show. Will you just turn it on to see if it's any good? Uh, and, and I'm kind of... Because I stopped watching, like, you know, after the second season, and they've done, like, six, I think. They're on the, the last season now. Really? Which is the sixth season, yeah. And it's, it's, it's good. Like, it's... Oh, how to describe it? Like... For me, um, Battlestar Galactica was kind of the, for me, the pinnacle of uh, sci-fi TV, and I know that a lot of people would probably disagree with that. I, I no, still no, love, no. I still love Star Trek's DS Nine is amazing, you know, uh, all all those TV shows. Uh, I'm sure Babylon Five is as well. There's a pretty massive following for it. Love Stargate, but in terms of just story and what they were doing. And this feels a little bit like a kind of cousin to that. Cool. I mean, BSG is kind of like the West Wing in space. Mm, right. like that's essentially what you're... It's what people would want to have happen through all these atrocities. Mm. And so that's the only problem I have with it now because I have the Blu-rays. Mm. And like, I wonder if they've done it on UHD. That's always horrible because it's always an excuse for me to be like, oh, I, it's just like... <laughs> Let 10, me spend some money. Exactly. It's 10 more pixels. 10 more pixels and you can tell on my TV it looks so much better. But... 
I've gone back a couple times and tried to rewatch the whole series, mm. and usually only make it through like the first three or four episodes because I I totally respect when it came out and what it was trying mm. to say and what it was trying to do. But we live in a way different world now. Yeah, and so now every time the teacher comes up to like save the world, it's like as if that would ever fucking happen. Like, <laughs> where were you when COVID hit? You know what I mean? Like, instead we had Donald Trump. <laughs> different world, definitely. So I, I just would write a slightly different Battlestar yeah. Galactica yeah. now. It wouldn't be as nice and tidy mm. as that one was because I think that was the problem. And that's, I think sometimes I'm like, would people just watch this? Because that's what we're talking about when we're like, the good times. Remember when we could all get along with each other? We could have differing political beliefs mm. and people, right. you know, because there was only, you know, like people wouldn't sit mm. there and I guess they did try to but kill I, each I, other. But, I, you know. I think it it is quite messy for the time that it was done. Like I remember between seasons there's there's this one kind of thread where they're they're caught on this planet and the Cylons have, have come and you know um they basically start uh like a terrorist organization and they call it an insurgency. Yeah, you know, you have which, the, the occupation yeah. and then the terrorists. I yeah. mean that's don't get me wrong, like that is very of its time. Which right? at the time was like Yeah, holy calling shit. someone a terrorist but back then. Calling the good guy, the guys who were supposed to be the good guys, right? you know. Right, freedom fighters. Yeah. But no, that was God, it's funny to think back to the age of terror and you thought that was the worst thing we'd ever seen. And now it's like, yeah, no, we were really off. We <laughs> So that's what I mean. Like Battlestar Galactica, awesome. I'm just I'm kinda of waiting for something like Foundation could have touched that if Yeah, you, you know to. what? I still haven't got back to it. Oh, uh, it's it's because of your it's the same reason I'm avoiding Book of Boba Fett because as much as your brother is hailing it as being better everyone else is saying it's a pile of turd and so I'm like I don't want to be disappointed by this mm. I think the actress in this Ming-Na Wen is one of my favorite actresses mm. of all time sorry mm. actors of all time mm. so She's I, great. I just don't want to watch it and be like oh and I like her character I think Fenix is cool I mm. think it's a, it's a cool character and I, I rarely say that about Star Wars mm. I'm always like you know, I'm, I'm just, yeah, so I, I'm avoiding that the same way you're avoiding Foundation. Yeah, I Foundation's get it. not bad. It's mm. just, it wasn't... It's disappointing. It was, and I don't know whether, you know, it's, 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 that's the cool thing about Apple. They, they necessarily, don't necessarily renew their good stuff or their bad stuff. Mm. I, they're not renewing Mythic Quest from what I know. You know, there hasn't been... I wonder though if that's like Rob McElhenney. I don't know if he... Do I, I don't know. Either. They just said they were doing two. The, you know, obviously it comes to a nice resolution after two. And they said, maybe we'll do a third. We don't know. Like, mm. this one, like, I just... I don't know. Like, I didn't... I think they greenlit the next season, but I thought they... Like, I told you yeah, yeah. that they had bankrolled the entire thing. They haven't. And mm. so I'm like, ooh, you have just one one season sitting out of this. It's going to be, be really weird. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But it's not horrible. It's just mm. not... Again, it was it was so... It's that the whole thing with time right now is driving mm. me nuts. And, mm. like, people need to get a couple of years it's after very, COVID very so they can just remember a linear timeline. Like, you're not all Quentin Tarantino. And even he didn't always do it right, you know? Like... What about you? What have you been watching? Lots of stuff this week. So I think the biggest shout out, probably the number one on the list for this week would be, it was actually my last, I found out because I went to go book a movie this week and my Cinepass has finally ended. Oh, good. After like two years too, because this got extended through COVID and extended again. And I didn't, you know, this is the typical thing with, with somehow how I laugh at like Cineworld is losing money left, right and center. But to find out when my pass expired was nowhere on, like, the 20 bits of information I could get from them. Like, mm. this is why you're losing money, mate. Like, <laughs> simple shit, you know? Just have a website that works. But I went to go book uh, Parallel Mothers I was mm. going to go see because I want to see the new Omeldivar. Um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, 
and yeah, I couldn't book it. And so I'm, I'm switching to the Odeon because I was given an Odeon gift card from all my friends at my old work. And so that'll pay for half my Odeon pass. And I always want to go to Odeon Lux because I'm up in West, West of Square. That's like mm. the best place. Mm. So, so yeah. But um, this week I saw Belfast. Oh, that's right. Yes. Talk about it. Oh, like, like I, I toyed with whether to have Ad do it for a podcast. We've been doing a lot of Oscar bait. So I said, nah, let's, let's not do this one. But that's not because I wouldn't hail it as another really amazing film. Mm-hmm. And one that educates. Like, listen, that whole situation is always weird to me living in England because I come from an Irish Catholic family, okay? not I know you're like, wait, you come from everywhere, Jason. But no, my mother, if you met her, that's where she, that's the, the, the hill that she dies on is Irish Catholic. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? She loves her Irish and Scottish heritage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a big deal. We're at the Dubliner every St. Paddy's Day, you know? Sorry, I do say it with that kind of ridiculousness. But... Irish Catholics in America are taught a, a much different picture mm-hmm. of the troubles than what you're taught over here. Mm-hmm. And I've only ever seen them come to like blows once or twice in my life where my wife was somewhere with another one of my Irish Catholic friends and they just had this big old row about like who was right. Like, mm-hmm. listen, it sucked on both sides, but one of the biggest bits of misinformation that is told is about how it was the Irish Catholics who kicked this all off in the 60s. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't. There were Protestant riots where they singled out the Catholics out of these neighborhoods, and that's where this starts. The good news is, if you hate the woke crowd, you can still watch this. This has nothing really to do with the Troubles other than putting you in a place that is very dear to, obviously, the author, Kenneth Branagh's heart. He's telling you about his family and what happened and how things changed for him because of this. It's beautiful. When's When's it set? It's 1969, Ireland, you know, in Belfast, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's just, it's, you know, it's done in black and white. That's a big thing this year is that everybody's going back to doing stuff in black and white. So I I just, I find Kenneth Branagh a little bit hit and miss. This is a hit. This is definitely, definitely for any, listen, there are certain things about the United Kingdom. And I can say that because, and, and probably Ireland grouped in that as well. Something that's unique about your cultures, you know, someone from a third person from an American coming over here and saying this. There is such a deeply rooted sense of family in these countries that I love. You know what I mean? It's one of the reasons I'll stay here the rest of my life because if there's anything that, that English people get right and, and most Brits get right, it's the importance of family and how that really is all you have <coughs> at the end of the day. This talks about that and it talks about how things changed for families, like how his family changed and how it affected them. And it really is, the reason it works so well is it's just that view. Mm. So you meet his grandma, his grand, you know, his Grammy, his grandpa, you meet his brothers and sisters, you know, or brothers and cousins, you meet his mom and his dad. And it's all about what happens on their block and, and what's going on. And, and, you know, that's the whole plot. Mm. And it's simple. Not a lot happens, I mean, aside from the troubles going on around them and these decisions that have to be made. And it's just beautiful. Like mm. it's, I don't know. It's the kind of thing. It's why I love my northern wife and, and I love the north because they have that deep sense of like tradition, family and whatever. Like Belfast is all about that. You know what I mean? Especially if you are northern Irish. Jesus, if you're northern Irish, I can't see why you wouldn't see this movie. But mm-hmm. if you're anyone else, I just think first it will educate you on, on more things because I do hear, again, too much misinformation about what kicked all this off in, 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 in northern Ireland and how this person did what. Listen, like it's a messy situation to begin with, but... Make sure you understand what kicked this all off and what started it because mm-hmm. it doesn't do a service to anyone that, that lived through any of that by, by kind of you know feeling the lies on both. This is coming from a guy who's like, my Irish ancestors, though, there's two Republican statues. Like, it was so funny. 
Like, I went to see pictures of my home, like, not my hometown, but my Irish hometown, and, like, in the front are two big revolutionary pigs. I was like, all right, well, we know where I fall on this situation. But, yes, Belfast, very, very good. Well-written, not too horribly long, and definitely Oscar bait, so mm. it'll make you cry. You know, uh, best performances probably go to um, Judy, Judy Dench, isn't mm. that right? Judy Dench, yeah. Yeah, she plays the, um, the grandma, and I think that's probably one of the most, you know, it's a side character, but it's still one you'll remember. Hmm, Interesting. So I saw that. What else have I been watching? I just started up watching again. This is more for motivation than anything else because it makes me feel good. But Suits. I have a, a long history with that show. Um, it does... Meghan m- Markle. Yeah. Yeah, which is funny because like, I just noticed her again in it. But when that show came out, it was recommended to me by my stepmother because mm. she said she'd watched it and she was like, and I think you just need to see it. And I was like, why? <laughs> and she's like, I just think you need to see it. And so then I watched and I was like, Oh, and she's like, yeah. So there are a lot of parallels um, to things that happen. And that's the other reason I like Suits is it is Hollywood, right? So you're, you're going to gross up a little bit of what's happening in, in this law firm. But in the same sense, you know, a lot of times I was thinking about my like my 10-year career now in the city and the stuff that I've done. I'm not a lawyer anymore, but I started that way. And like there were a lot of things. I, I think now the interesting thing for me is I used to watch it and only identify with the Mike Ross character. Mm. Now I can identify both with the Harvey and the Mike Ross. What's the name of? Um, is it Lewis? Lewis Litt. Oh, I love. There's Lewis always Litt. a Lewis Litt. Every every law firm has a Lewis Litt. Yeah, it's the Hatchet and Gina Torres. Oh, she's so. Wonderful. Which one is Gina Torres? Gina Torres is the partner. The really elegant uh, woman who's like, uh, she's Harvey's boss. Yeah, yeah, so the, the, like, the, the managing partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She, she was married to Lawrence Fishburne. Really? Yeah. And she was in um, Firefly in Serenity. Ah, I see, this is, this is it. I've, I've never jumped on that bandwagon. I still resist to this day because I don't, I don't know why. I have no idea why. <laughs> so, yeah, I watched that. I'm trying to think of anything else. I think that was it. I've been trying to watch. Um, Another horror movie I mm. caught that I'm going to have Becky watch called Incident in Ghost in a Ghostland. Mm. It's a follow-up from uh, Pascal, the guy who did Martyrs um, in The Tall Man, which are both really good movies. I mean, The Tall Man, less a good movie. Martyrs being one of those quintessential, and it is quintessential, quintessential horror films. It's very difficult to watch because it's French and um, very brutal. But everybody should see that movie at least once because it's one of the worst and scariest horror movies you've ever seen. Um, he has a tradition of, of making really messed up stuff, less messed up than murders. That's what got his name for it. And he's kind of toned it down ever since then. But this is another one that kind of plays with expectations. That's what he's French. I find French horror directors that their best things. They love to think you're going in direction X and then you go in direction Y. That's what this is all about. So I watched that over the weekend. What's it called again? Incident in a Ghostland. Incident in a Ghostland. Um, and I got it for free from Fright Fest. So thanks guys. You guys put that in one of my, my bundles one of these years. Um, but I actually, I shouldn't say I watched I watched half of it and stopped it. So I'm going to watch the rest of this with Becky because I think as, as brutal as it is, it has some very brutal stuff against women in there. Mm. But I think she would enjoy the, the twists and the, the turns. Mm. I'll probably figure those out. Um, so those are the other two things I watched this week and I'll go quickly with those. The new Kristen Bell, um, which is number one in, on Netflix. It's, mm. it's the woman behind the glass. I don't even know. It's a long title Mitch Bain made a really good comment about this you know I'm always talking to him on Twitter and he said I can't is this a mystery is it a comedy like it's Mm. definitely yeah it's not like the good place where you were sure it was a comedy Mm. this one gets serious at times and it gets not serious at times 
I think the reason it works though is it's Kristen Bell playing like a desperate housewife really well. Like mm. she just drinks all day and talks to her friends. And like, you know, my wife started watching it and I was watching it. And I was like, ah, yeah, it fits. You know, it works. So watch that. And then I finished Stay Close, which was the um, Rennie Harlan, I think is his name. It was his uh, murder mystery. Mm. It's an eight part limited series on Netflix that Becky wanted to watch. It was good. Yeah. It was good. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, again, I think I've told you, like, I, I find it funny that people. Usually clever people like to watch, or people who think they're clever, and this mm. isn't me shitting on you, Becky, but like people who think they're very clever mm. all like to watch murder mystery stuff, right? That's me. I'm in that category. Okay, fair enough. Praros of the world, right? Mm. However, like, the way they're written is for not clever people, and that's what just annoys me. Like, can we can we make them work a bit harder for the answers here? Like, can we not make this so? Like, all right, then. I don't know. I'm very excited. I saw a trailer for Death in the Nile, which has been wanting to come out for, like two and a half years Maybe, now yeah you know forever and it is your your favorite kenneth Branagh. he makes a face every time i say that name i don't know why i have a feeling we're gonna meet this guy i don't have to like push out of the way like oh no 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 I, I i do like when he's good he's great um but when he's not very good i've i've just felt very meh about some of yeah, his films yeah so he's playing Praro in in death of the nile yeah. and it looked i mean it looked it's my kind of... That's the kind of mystery I can handle. If you're going to up the stakes, you make it beautiful, mm. you make it classic Agatha Christie mm. style, like, okay, I'm, I'm with you. I'll watch any Praro with anybody. Mm. My wife finds it hilarious because I usually can't stand cookie cutter, you know, but Praro any day. Love, I just... I love, love it. Cure. It's fun. I yeah. love that cure. Yeah, it's just... Inspector it's, Jacques. It's just fun. You know what you're getting. It's like watching a Columbo or a MacGyver or something mm. like that, you know? So I, I can go with those sometimes. It's criminal minds that I'm like... Uh, we have to talk. Where? Watch we out! Have, we have talking to fly about, our Concorde we're jet. We're talking about my mother's favorite show in the world. Right. Be careful, because the FBI does fly around in the seven seventy seven with guys that are that and NCIS. One of the five. I mean, the, the worst part about Criminal Minds is not one of those FBI people is in the traditional FBI suit. Like guys. They're not known for the diversity. They're not known <laughs> for looking really different. Watch the X Files. You know what I mean? Like, cracks me up. They fly around this private jet. Like, I, I'm like, when are going to bust out the champagne? <sighs> so yeah, that's everything for this week. Let's talk Teddy. Yes, let's. Okay, so a bit of a recap of of what's going on for those that don't know. So Teddy is the story of Darius, who's one of the characters. Um, he's like the I guess the number two to to uh, to the main rapper. Paper boy. Paper boy. Paper boy. Again, inconsequential and not fun. The only reason you need to know that, that's who's on the phone when they call midway through. But he goes, <laughs> and, and in typical Darius is kind of like the stoner, and so he just does things that are a bit weird. I love characters like that because he's, he's, he's the... the, the He's the Forrest Gump. The, there's, a, there's a character, the fool. Yeah, yeah. He just does what he thinks he should do, and it always ends up working out. And to he's his often very kind of poignant, and and yeah. He's, That's right. He's so very, he's, because, he's probably my favorite character. Because you want to call him a fool, but he's yeah. very he's an intelligent fool. Yeah, he's and, telling and, truths. And they, they they like like they always do stuff like that. So you know, I think you get a really good dose of his character. And again, we're talking about shot technique and trying to do things quickly because again, you've got 37 minutes to get everybody in the room. You know, most of these people will know the show, but they need to know what's going on. You know, you learn about Darius and just what a misfit he can be within the first five seconds. I love that opening scene. The scene in the, in the kind of convenience. How thing. much for that hat? And then, um, and this pen, 10 bucks. <laughs> so he, it's a... Um, Confederate flag. Yeah, and it says, um, American made or something like that. Yeah. 
And then he reds it out because it's a red hat. I think totally on purpose. Although 2018, yeah? MAGA, was that around then? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It could have been a MAGA. And he, he makes it you mad. Yeah, which <laughs> I was like, okay, that's funny. I, I think there's probably a deeper... Kind no, of. I don't. I don't. I think that's it. Because, and I think you hit on it when you talked about because these are eras in America. Like we're actually post-Trump now, which is weird. Mm. Like it's trying to, and we might not be forever. So I'm always like, God, until Ooh. until we go back to yeah. Trump land. But yeah, the MAGA hat became this like, Symbol. wow, man, big red hat. I bought. I don't know if you've ever seen my Bob Evans hat. I mean, I have rarely in in, in London will I wear it because God knows people people make comments. But I have this big red hat that says Bob Evans. It's got a big American flag for the brim on it. I mean, it's as trucker American as they come. Yikes. And the amount of times people think that's a fucking MAGA hat. I'm like, no, man, it's Bob Evans. Bob Evans is the greatest fucking grits and all of Like, oh, my God, people. Like, no, we're not all racist, crazy people, you know? Like, Jesus Christ. Uh, but Darius, uh, yeah, he, he goes to pick up a piano from a mansion in the outskirts of Atlanta, right? Yeah, which they have set up. I mean, this is part of what I'm talking about, about the setup being great. So, I mean, I don't know anything really about Atlanta or the outskirts of Atlanta, but the mm. way they set this up was very Beverly Hills, Mulholland Drive, right. driving up and you were like at Tarzan's place. Mm. And that immediately sets you off because you're like, we're, what's going on with this? Yeah. And then like, uh, moving to, as I said, I'm pretty much just going to walk through this whole show. <laughs> moving to the next scene that's awesome though. I love Ed when he goes into the house, right? You get a full pan of the house first, and it's mm. dark and dingy mm. and scary. And the shadows, they are certainly letting the light come in the certain yeah. windows a certain yeah. way. And then the camera pans back, and there, in the shadows, is Teddy. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, it's, it's a fairly shocking, like, moment. Just, yeah. just because of how he looks. So let's talk and, about that. Okay, so, yeah. so how does Teddy look, Ed? Uh, I mean, would you describe it as white face? Yeah, it like, is. Oh, it's yeah. definite white face. Yeah, it's uh, so it's Donald Glover, the the star of the show, playing Teddy, um, and uh, he he's obvious. There are some parallels with Michael Jackson in the sense that uh, you know, um, but it's that kind of thing. Right? Yeah, someone I'm, who's, I'm, who's I'm pretty sure he's taking the last days because you know Michael Jackson. For those of us that grew up in his era, like. Have to go through the phases because I I don't know if we'll ever really know the truth of what it was. Mm. Maybe it was skin whitening. I think it's mm. probably the truth, but he changes. So Michael Jackson started his life as as a fairly dark skinned black kid and mm. then ended really pale. Yeah. Like and so this guy Teddy looks like you know the only difference Ed is that Michael Jackson could never get rid of those eyes. My sister tried to with her. You know my sister used to wear blue contacts because mm. it does make a striking difference when you have darker skin. Mm. But he could never you know Michael Jackson never got rid of his brown eyes. He always kept them. Whereas Teddy if you notice has blue eyes. Oh I didn't. Yeah. Interesting. It makes it even creepier. <laughs> really really creepy. Yeah. So so yeah so and we don't know like this is the thing. The other thing that's interesting is Teddy just kind of creeps out of nowhere. Mm. You don't even notice the white face, I think, at first because, like, you don't even really know who he is. Yeah, you're story. like, okay, what's what's going on here? And and I have to say, up until this point, again, setting up the, the entrance into the house and the creepiness, it's all frames within frames, if you notice, as soon as he walks in. They use a lot of really wonderful kind of negative lighting which is where you light the background, but you have the subject in shadow. Ah, and okay. it's, a, it's a beautiful and very creepy uh, uh, shot. 
Um, and and then as as they meet and they start having a conversation, I I notice this time around, they do this really interesting thing, which is at first Darius is very much center frame, okay, and balanced, and then every time Teddy is got, getting a single. He's almost like in the bottom left-hand corner of the frame in a really weird okay. place that that you're not used to seeing he's subjects. Yeah, he's not yeah. where he's supposed it's, to be. It's unbalanced. There's a lot of what, what you call negative space, right? Okay. And that immediately, again, we're talking about those shots which communicate to someone something. Mm. It's telling you that something's off about this guy. You know, uh, the classic shot is the Dutch angle, right? The the shot which is slightly off off kilter, right? And that is often, and it's used again in this, it was used brilliantly in in The Shining. Um, But yeah, a lot of this kind of communication, you're already getting that from the moment that he's kind of walked in. And that's combining with, and see, these are the two levels, that's why Ed and I work together. These are the two levels, because that's combining with, the isolation. The other thing I like is, especially for a show like Atlanta, which is generally taking place in a very broad place, lots of different people around. The only real people you see are at the beginning, you see the guy at the store, and then after that, you know, just the car driving into the wilderness. And it's not really, you know, it's just driving the outskirts of Atlanta, but we're isolating Darius, mm. and we're saying Darius is all on his own because the stakes really up quickly on this one. Yeah. Like, thinking a horror movie, like he was there by himself. and yeah. I toyed with, like, are they going to kill Darius in this episode? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. When, when, he walks, saw it, yeah. when he walks in through that door, you're like, oh my God, yeah. like, are they going to knock, are they gonna gonna knock him killed. out this time? Yeah. So, but... It reminded me a little bit of the kind of, uh, the, you know, the get out where his friend keeps telling him... Right. Oh. Has that same, you know, the same feeling. We're going to talk about that. It hits about the midway point where he steps... You know, it's actually just after this conversation. Mm. But let's move on to the conversation because everything keeps ramping. So mm. you get the weird angles, but... You're also, again, the story's backing this up, too. So what does Teddy decide? First two things that throw you off. Mm. One, not so much. And then later comes back to throw you off. Mm. He gets into the microphone. He says, Darius would like a glass of water. Mm-hmm. You think nothing of that at the time, but that really is probably one of my favorite gags of that yeah. scene later on. <laughs> yeah. But then he takes out the ostrich egg. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, yes. my God. And, like, I've never seen something so simple you, so yeah. disturbing yeah. like it's really gross yeah. it's, and it's the amount of times he has to hit it yeah. and then he's like cutting at the flesh and the whole time you're with you you, you are emulating Darius' yeah. feelings of like this is so wrong yeah, like what's wrong with this guy like yeah 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 but it's also creating another reason again drop this on Fright Fest for a reason it's also doing the horror thing of why are you still sitting there mm-hmm. like are you an idiot like right. get Anyone out else get out of there now the man is beating an ostrich egg with something and they do this over and over to you being like you've got to get out of this place mm. so so that's the opening though and that's how you set it up and then we come to the the um um oh did you still want that you know did, did, oh i thought you get your butler to do it he's yeah. like butler what, what butler <laughs> so but the other thing that happens during that dialogue is the start of kind of the racial piece on this one, mm. which is the discussion about not Teddy, but who's the other one called? Uh, is it Benji? Benny? Benny. 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 That's. Yeah. <laughs> and I love this because the expectation works. Like at least it worked for me. I totally thought it was one thing, and then it comes out to be another. So Benny is his brother. Who's like? I guess the idea would be that Benny's the black one, you know, and 
Teddy's the white one. You mm. know what I mean? Like, that's how it's kind of presented. Mm. But you never really... Doesn't he talk about... Uh, I mean, he says Benny has this Benny has skin a skin condition. condition and can't be in the sunlight, right? right? Yeah, yeah, So, but you see pictures of Benny, mm. and then you see pictures... Then you see Teddy, and you just, like, you're already doing it in your mind. You're already right. like, wait. There's no Benny here. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, even yeah. from the first kind of get-go. Yeah. Especially when they start talking about musicians. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. Stevie Wonder was blind mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, uh-huh. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know an awful lot about your brother's music career, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, but we move on from there. And then we move into, I think the next big scene is he goes outside, right? Uh, to talk to Ern and that's and right. The guys. That's where we have the get out moment because mm. he talks to Ern and, and he really talks to and, he, and I love I love Terry because Terry just scares the shit out of me. Like he's one of those guys that they're like ordering chicken and the guy's like, "I want fries with that." I don't want fucking fries with that. Like he just goes off about some fucking fries and I was like, Terry would scare the shit out of me. Um, but yeah, he calls them while they're in the drive through and obviously Paperboy being Paperboy is just like get the fuck out of there. Like how badly do you really want this piano? You don't need to be, you know, in a body bag by mm. the end of this. Mm. And I just think it's important because it's, it briefly is going to rip you out of this thing before, like, sending you way through the rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, because it's very funny. With it's that almost sam- like an elastic yeah. pull. You know, you're going with back the, to normality. The Sammy Sosa gag. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So if you don't know what the Sammy Sosa gag is, Google it right now. Sammy Sosa hat. So that is, uh, Sammy Sosa was a baseball player in America. Baseball has been very, very good to me. That's how I learned my B's and my V's in Spanish. Um, but yeah, he decided to play around with skin whitening, we believe. I mean, mm. no one really knows. Obviously, right. obviously, no one ever admits to skin bleaching. Mm. But yeah, if you Google what I just told you to Google and you see that picture, you'll see it had some fairly disastrous results for him. Yeah. Um, that's not what he used to look like. Mm. He's Dominican. So he, you know, probably probably about the same, a little darker skin tone than me, I guess, in the summer. At any rate. That's awesome. And they bring him. The only thing I was upset about is I'm not sure it was on Disney Plus that I watched it, and mm. I think they edited some of it. Like I'm pretty sure you see the picture of Sammy Sosa. Oh, really? In the thing, like it's like when you go to the strip clubs and stuff. Like yeah, Atlanta yeah. on Disney Plus kind of sucks because they like they edit it, and mm. it's like, oh guys, come on, Boo. like yeah, it's, I know it's Disney, and it's like, well, kids could be watching. It's like kids can watch fucking anything these days. My daughter's gonna see worse stuff than I ever saw. You know what I mean? Not like I'm showing it to her now, but you know what I mean? It's it's just come on, Disney. What are you doing? Mm. Um. So yeah, they have that brief elastic pull and then we're right back into the environment. And I believe the next conversation is when everything goes upstairs because Benny, and I'm putting that in quotes, folk, Mm -hmm. is is playing the piano upstairs. So he hears the piano, he goes upstairs. (laughs) He's talking about the water again. He's like, did you see the one that water? water. (laughs) Yeah, still a sparkling. Oh no, what was it? Still a a, a tapper bottle. He's like, bottle. He's like, fine, we'll get some... Evian and some Fiji and some... The, the, the whole thing is, like, if this isn't supposed to be a play on Michael Jackson, like, I don't know what is. Like, mm. this is totally taking you to a character that becomes even more horrific because you just see over and over how little touch with reality mm. this has. And it fit for this week because part of what, like, came out this week from the Janet Jackson interviews, I don't know if you've read any of this, no, but no. she's finally given a big interview about her mm. life and about her brother and things like that. And a lot of stuff she talked about with her brother... Made more sense to me. It would be controversial to some people because she's like, I still don't think he did anything to these boys. But he's like, but he was a weird guy. Like, yeah, he yeah. was isolated from everybody. Yeah. Like, this is how that happens. Like, mm. he didn't have anybody. I definitely feel there's, there's, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it when, when, when you get to that scene, but there's definitely a commentary on how parents can fuck you up. 
Oh, uh, certainly. Yeah. yeah, certainly. And we get, we get more to that as as we kind of go on with mm. things because, yeah, I mean, that's 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 definitely where this has gone. Mm. You know, and we find that out kind of later on. But I think at the time, you know, when you're, you're seeing him go back up to that room, you're still at the point, like, this guy's just off and mm. it's it's very and it's the first time like there's a bit of blood on on the piano i think that he noted that darius noticed. oh i never noticed that point but yeah. there's definitely the tension there yeah, they're yeah. definitely setting up the serial killer thing still yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, they're, they're definitely being like this guy's going to murder you yeah. out of the house so um which again is the funny part is that doesn't end up being the truth um <laughs> yeah so after that i remember he, he talks about when he needs the piano going the guy's like i just need a few more minutes and he goes down now the next part I remember is mm. when he goes in that museum. Yes, the the gift shop. The gift shop. Yeah, and he's and he's talking about turning it into a museum. And again, and... we're talking a thirty-seven minutes, so you're probably yeah. on minute fifteen now, minute seventeen. Yeah, it, it's very well paced. It ramps very up well all of a sudden because you're in this like museum, and you're not quite sure why there's a museum there. And Teddy starts explaining to you because again, he kind of pops up out of nowhere again, yeah. and you're like, "Hi, Teddy," and he's very much wanting to like. Come on, Darius. I know you want to go, but you really need to do this. I love the description by, by Paperboy, who's also a weed dealer. And he's like, man, sometimes people come by when I have a chat. You know, other time people pay 30 bucks and get it. That's, you know, not like I smoke weed, but that's so true, right? You know what I mean? Like, sometimes I want to have a chat. Sometimes I need to get the fuck out of there. You know what I mean? And that's this yeah. is like, just being like, this guy wants to have a chat. You need to have a chat with him. So, but it's just the lengths that he's making this guy go yeah. through all this sudden, like, I just want to show you something. Yeah, no, no, you, I was you're like, definitely getting murder vibes. Yeah, like yeah. And, and Darius runaway vibes, and he's yeah. still not doing it. But this is the wonderful thing about Darius, just as a character in general throughout the whole show, is he's such a he's he's such a pure soul. It, it comes across as right, you right. know. Like, and again, that the man, fool. Don't show that phone, man. Pick up that samurai. <laughs> yeah, again, the fool that like just drops truth bombs like constantly, you know. Um, and, and you get a lot of empathy from Darius. Yeah. You know? I mean, his, his best version of that has been the, I mean, all I ever remember in that episode is the Drake thing. Like they were like, where's Drake? Where's Drake? Oh, there's Drake's dad. Like, yeah, I hate Drake. Um, but the, the, one of this, one of her girlfriends in that mm. is the one who takes the gummy. And then she's obviously yeah. someone that doesn't take gummies, so she's like off she, her head. Yeah. And Darius ends up being the only person who can save he, her. He looks after her and <laughs> makes sure that she's fine, you know. But here as well, like you feel an empathy for 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 Teddy coming from Darius, you know. There's a sadness. There. Yeah, there's exactly. a definite sadness. A definite please don't go because mm. if you go, no one's coming back. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was definitely that going on in the gift shop. You know, the explanation around that are very weird. Where does it go after the gift shop? And that's the part I can't. Doesn't remember Doesn't it well. go to um, the mannequin where his father, which has his father's suit? That's right, because it's part of like the gift shop. Yeah, it's tour. like the end of the tour. And so right? that's when we first find out about these family problems, and we yeah. find out and, and what he, that's the truth bomb he drops. Right. Do you remember what he says? So he, I mean, he he basically. Um, no, the, watching the film is later, isn't it? But he tells him that that what their father was like in terms of training Benny and like forcing him, and he says that all great art comes from pain. That's right. So Teddy, because Teddy said they always said about Benny that he played really well. And again, like this is why I'm saying it's Michael Jackson because Teddy even has the yeah, higher the childlike voice yeah, that Michael yeah, Jackson always yeah, had. Yeah. And he's like, and, you know, and Benny played through all that pain, mm. and that's when he makes the comment says, "What your dad did to you was wrong." Yeah, and that's. The interesting point, I, I and I like that you brought it up because it does throw this kind of like discussion in out of nowhere. I wouldn't say it's out of nowhere. It's just it gets really serious all of a sudden. 
it's a nice kind of deeper theme like like you know about what what you're willing to do for greatness and you know forcing your children to strive for that i think it's it's a it's a really interesting now, and, and and whether that's intentional or not from the writer or not figure how that plays into the racial mechanic that's going on here mm-hmm. like listen like and I can say this stuff on the podcast. Like, my father and I have very different views on the way we should portray our race. We are passing in his view. Mm. So for him, like, he used to go around... And I, you know, I hear stories about this. I'm not, He's not saying it on the podcast, so I can't confirm it. But the stories I hear about him in the 70s when he has to, used to have sales in the Midwest is that he used to have to white his skin. Like, he mm. had to put on cream and things like that to make himself in the summertime right. look lighter because otherwise people wouldn't buy things from right, him right, because right. of the, the times we lived in. Mm. And so he was always of the view that, like, don't worry about your black mm. heritage. You don't look it. So there's no reason whatsoever that anyone needs to know about it because all it'll ever lead you is misery and pain. Mm. That's clearly taken to such a severe degree with a person like Michael Jackson or with Teddy mm. or someone who thinks that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, we never really know if Teddy looked like that his whole life. But Michael Jackson is the easy one where you're like, right. certainly didn't look like that his right. whole life. Said it was a skin condition, but man, that was an awful lot for a skin condition. You know, yeah. I've seen people with the alopecia problem. My, my stepsister has it. Mm. Um, and it, you know, sure, it can cause issues, but mm. that was something different. I think when you're talking about Sammy Sosa's or Michael Jackson, and I like, I guess my point is, Ed, I, that has to come from somewhere. It's like mm. racism isn't learned, isn't born, right? Mm. It's learned. Mm. So, you know, you want to get mad at an eight-year-old for something about the KKK, like an eight-year-old knows nothing about the KKK, all mm. right? They they learn that from their parents. They mm. don't know it offhand. I think that type of racial discrimination is also learned from your parents. So, mm. in other words, what you're trying to show is the legacy of the father is deeper than just bastardizing them for for their playing it goes into their whole identity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, that's that's the film student. Deep. that's the film student talking right mm-hmm. so but let's get to the surprise part because that's my favorite part and everyone's favorite part i mean the middling bit isn't long it's about five six minutes what what's happening between the review so the elevator's the next big moment yeah he right? he then kind of after the 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 awkward scene where he's saying you know this is going to be a monument to and he starts listing like the venus sisters father and tiger woods <laughs> right, father right and and all these things but darius essentially says look I, like i just want the piano can i get it out of here and he eventually gets to go and, and and get it, and he puts it in the elevator. Right, because this is another one of my classic horror, but awesome way to do things, because he hits the first floor button, and if you've ever watched those horror cartoons do this, you know, like, you know he's not going to the first floor. <laughs> so all of a sudden it goes past it, and I just love it, because they get the camera right on it, and he's just jamming that button, like, please, please, and then, boop, 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 the, bo- the bottom. Mm. And then that's the first time he meets Benny, right? That's right. But... Teddy's not in the room. Right. And so, There's you go down... very much a, like, hmm. And, and I think, again, Lakeith Stanfield. Can we talk about him for just a minute? Acting against someone he didn't know. So, you know, the, the, the Easter eggs of this one is, we do know it's Donald Glover now. Mm. It, no one knew who this was. Up until, I think it was the Emmys, when they finally, like, talked about who had actually played this, this character. Uh, Darius doesn't know. He doesn't... Yeah, I think it... I think I read, actually, that it was the guy who played Benny who, who had no idea. Because the whole day, there was no Donald. Like, he was in character the whole right, time. Right, right. But you think you think Darius knew then? Uh, possibly. I, I, I mean, 
I can't imagine how you could spend, you know, days filming with someone. Like, I could see it, like, a day, maybe two, you know. I'm just basing it off what I read. I was, I was pretty sure I had read that, like, that was the whole guy yeah, yeah, that yeah. no one knew. Yeah. I mean, I think they, they probably weren't, like, overt about it, you know. Um, but, but yeah, so, so Darius comes down to the basement and there's someone in a wheelchair completely bandaged up but completely like wearing like ski you know balaclava sunglasses apparently avoiding the sun and he starts writing on like a a a chalkboard and you can see lakeith stanfield like as darius being like "Mm, okay sure right because we've just (laughs) been upstairs and so the piano thing is like the first giveaway that we think because the piano is playing, and it's like, oh, Benny was playing, and then you look, and there's no one there's there. There's no one there, right. The and wheelchair's so, empty. And so all of a sudden, he gives the raised eyebrows, so you give the raised eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I'm with you, man. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. Because then he calls and t- says yeah. the same thing. So yeah. so we're all pretty sure that the guy in the basement is just, you know, Teddy. Teddy's run downstairs, three flights, they put a baklava on, sat in a wheelchair, and it's like, okay. Yeah, and he writes, oh, Teddy's going to kill us, and there's a gun in the attic. And Darius is like... <laughs> Well, why don't you go get the it gun? It makes me laugh every time because he is. He's so nonchalant, but he's like, you yeah. get the fucking gun. Yeah. He's, he's very dismissive. He's like, he's kind of playing along. but yeah, he's, he's treating this like the, the, the drug dealer who's got the guy that wants to buy an chat. Yeah. Like, and like, mm, okay. Say, All right, let's yeah, have a chat sure. before you pick up your weed then. <laughs> uh, and then he takes the piano out. And finds that the car... Oh, that's right. That, that's the last bit. So Teddy, you know, deliberate or not, deliberate. Teddy has, like, put his car in front of Teddy. This is it. Because you finally think, like, this is a weird episode. Because, again, the other thing is... Think of this in the context of a show. You've watched this show. Like, it's usually just taking you from point A to point B. This one hasn't taken you anywhere. And you're like, are they going to kill Darius? Like, yeah. this is bad. It's very like, ominous. Very, like... Uh, but then there's always in the back of your mind, maybe because Atlanta is is a comedy. The previous episode to this episode is the barbershop episode. Right. Which right. is like <laughs> balls to the wall hilarious. So you're thinking like when yeah. he goes to his car that time, that's what I mean. Like when he goes to that car that yeah. time, you're thinking this must be it. Because it's pretty close to the end. There's only another like five minutes left of the episode. Yeah. If you paused and checked. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and so you're like, okay, this is going to be. And he's going to go back and tell all his friends about this crazy right. mofo that he met over there. But then the car is there, and you're like, oh, no, they really oh, are going to kill Darius. They're yeah. going to fucking kill Darius. Why would they kill him? He's such so a nice he guy. he has to go back in the house. And then <laughs> he has to try to... He runs into Teddy, right? So then he goes upstairs, and uh, Teddy's watching, like, the home movie. That's right. And and it's and it gets dark at this point. You're, you're seeing, like, somebody playing piano, and then you hear, like, the father, again, posture... And he's like smacking well, again, his hands. It's, it's, there's no wasted shots here. Yeah. So you're literally getting up, seeing Teddy, seeing the picture, and then flocking back to Darius. I mean, it all is happening. Shot, shot, shot. Here's what you didn't know. Here's how bad his dad was. You know, it just keeps adding these little bits. And again, we're only talking about 37 minutes here, so it's fast. Yeah, and the pacing is brilliant. Because it the, the the beginning isn't fast. It's very languid. The shots are really long. No, we just had the know. slow scene. The, the scene him taking the piano out to his car is slow. Surprisingly so for a thirty, you know, for the amount of time they have. Because, yeah. again, they want you to breathe for a second. It's very efficient. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. And then you come back in and it's Teddy and you're like, this, is, this has got to be the showdown now. Mm. Because the show's not got much left and... What are they going to do with this? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll let you 
you know, you talk about it. What did you think of the ending then? Is that not like one of the greatest? It's endings? one of the greatest endings ever. Seriously, it, it, because it you have certain expectations that have been built with the language of the cinematography and just what we're used to in terms of like horror films and you know crazy people murdering people that come to their house stuff like that and uh so this is the moment when you're like okay this is it teddy pulls out uh, a gun and he takes darius downstairs and um handcuffs him uh in a chair and he's he's gonna try doesn't, doesn't he make him put the handcuffs yeah. on as well that's always yeah. creepy to me so another thing and i'm just pointing out for the horror buffs that are watching this because i made them watch this but stuff like that at least for me um from a writing perspective that's my kind of horror i am deathly afraid and i'm not alone there's a whole group of people that are definitely afraid of people that are led into certain environments like that mm. that's a perfect way to do it Have don't seem funny games exactly that yeah. kind of stuff the stranger Actually, the best I ever read, or the best I ever saw with it, was a short story I read. I used to write this, read this Nightmares magazine mm. um, that I'd be able to get online. I can't find it anymore. But they had an, uh, uh, it was just short stories, people written from all around the world. And it was a short story about a woman who goes to like a theater and she sees a long corridor in the theater. And she walks down the long corridor. And then again, it's the isolating her from everyone else. Mm. And the minute she walks through this, she runs into like a stagehand mm. who then puts this corset on her. And like they basically string her up and kill her and put her out in the theater mm. in a matter of minutes. Wow. But it's because like you wouldn't know. Yeah, like, and, yeah, yeah. and I'm sorry, it's because I'm a guy that hangs out in big cities all the time. Mm. Like that's the scariness of it. Right. You could disappear yeah. in a heartbeat and no one would fucking know, yeah, yeah. you know, on the streets of Soho or something like that. And mm. so that's why I love that kind of stuff. And that's why put the handcuffs on, it's just scarier mm. because you know he doesn't want to do that, mm. but he's so scared. You can tell he must be so nervous that he's agreeing with somebody who's basically locking him up, yeah. you know? So and sorry, it's just an yeah, important no, no, point. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he kind of says that he's going he's gonna to make it look like he came in and tried to rob him and, and stuff like that. You get to be the chosen. Yeah. <laughs> this is my sacrifice. <laughs> like that. The voice yeah. does it alone, oh, man. Fuck. But then that's not what happens. Not this, is what I, this is what I loved. So, uh, there was a beautiful moment, though, where Darius is kind of talking to him. And he says to him, not all that is like, like not all art comes from pain. Sometimes it comes from love. Hmm. And it's a very poignant moment. And you think that, oh, this is how this is how Darius is going to survive. And is it that moment that Benny comes in with the gun and <coughs> blows yeah. his brains out? So at this point, the the elevator doors open, and Benny comes out in his. You in didn't his expect. Wheelchair. That's the yeah. best part. Sorry. Hopefully by this point you've watched the whole thing and you're like, yeah, I know. But no, none of us, nobody no. watching this expects Benny at all. This is why I still hail it as one of the greatest horror shorts because that surprise totally didn't see yeah. it coming. Yeah, brilliant. But then it's followed. This is why I love yeah. it. This is the then, Martyrs because yes. Martyrs does this too. Yeah, okay. yeah. The reason Martyrs is held as one of those great horror movies is it does mm. this. It plays with your expectations and then destroys them and moves on to the next yeah, thing. Yeah. And it does it like seven times in the film. Mm. Here, it happens again. The 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 part that gets me, the, the reason this gets elevated to like best of class is yeah. that suicide. <coughs> yeah. yeah, so Benny comes down and he's gone to the attic to get the gun. He shoots. Uh, no, 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 sorry. He he grabs the gun because Teddy's like, oh, Benny. And <coughs> he grabs the gun and shoots um, Teddy. Teddy. So Teddy's yeah. out. Yeah. And then he goes to Darius. So, so you, yeah, because you think at that point, or at least Darius is saying, yeah. yay, Darius is okay with it's this crazy fucking family. Uh, but he has a poker with him. 
and Benny takes the poker, grabs the rifle, turns it around, and just blows his head and off. And it's, it's not in slow motion, but <coughs> it's as if in slow motion, because this it's is so where the shocking. acting is so, so precise with the timing of it, because you don't have a chance to react to it, but neither does really the actor. And the actor just kind of turns, looks, you know, Darius is all of a sudden like, what? Yeah. And then as he's saying that, the, bl- the brains go all over the place. And that's why I loved it, because before I could even say, no, 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 wait! Yeah. It just, you were right it there with happens. it. happens. Yeah. And that's it. That's pretty much the end. I mean, the cops roll up, <coughs> and it's, it's Scream 5 all over again. You know what I mean? We're going to wrap this scene up now. And that's the end of it. And it's just, that's my whole thing. It's like, man, if, if we all could write that well and put together a 37-minute piece of something that was that good, Jesus Christ. I really love the use of the, um, uh, of, God, I've forgotten, the musician, uh, the blind musician. Stevie Wonder. Thank you. The use of... Yeah, uh, at the end. What, what song do they play at the evil, end? Evil. Evil. Yeah. Evil. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. That's, beautiful. But that's part of... The, the reason that's beautiful, guys, is again, this is why I appreciate Atlanta, and I would say it's not every... I would say every episode is like this. There's there's always a metaphorical level to Stephen and Donald Glover's writing. You know, and Hero, Hero Mirai's... Um, is it Hero Mirai? Yeah. Um, the director. The, uh, directing. You know, also, that's the guy that does all of Res Dog, so if you like that kind of oh, metaphor... Really? Yeah, I was trying to tell you that. That's how this one we need to get in with these guys. Because, like... Um... He did a, an animated film that I think Stephen Glover co-wrote with him um, called Guava Island. I think it's like an animated film. I'm going to nice. check it out. It's on It's nice. on uh, Prime. Very cool. But can we just very, very quickly talk about uh, Donald Glover and Lakeith Stanfield, like the two main actors yes, in absolutely. this show? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so Lakeith Stanfield, I kind of wax lyrical when we did uh, uh, the podcast on Atlanta, but I mean he's already been nominated for an Oscar for Judas and the Black Messiah, which I, I still haven't seen. seen. I haven't yeah, seen I still that haven't yet. Seen. But uh, it reminded watching this reminded me that I, oh, I have does to watch he it. Play the Judas in that because it's, it's um it's a uh, who's playing Bobby Daniel K- Kaluuya. Yeah, Daniel Kaluuya plays yeah. the main character, and then he must play the Judas in it. But uh, so I think that he he's going to be one of these guys that for years to come is 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 going to be winning awards, and I think Donald Glover is as well, man. I you know, I can't ever say enough good about Donald Glover. I just think that you know, and I call him a kid. It's only because he's he's actually the same age as me. So. <laughs> You're younger than me. He, but uh, yeah, he's 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 nineteen eighty three birthday, not eighty two mm. like me. But wow, just wow. I, you know, I was I was singing his praise. I just watched another thing. I watched over the weekend with the daughter of Spider Man Homecoming. Mm. Finally watched that with the daughter and watched Encanto as well. Nice. Um, and and Spider Man Homecoming. Like I had to do the big shout out when he has. He has a very brief scene, yeah. in it, but I'm like, that's Donald Glover. Daddy loves that guy because I just think he's talented. And it comes. This is why I wanted to showcase because talent is what I'm talking about in this writing. Like. It's a good horror story, but it also has a lot of different layers to it. There's a discussion there on, on white and black politics and how that works for, 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 for people in the industry. It's, it's subtle. like It's not something big, but it's all there. Can I ask, do you think, with this script, but different actors, do you think it could have worked as well? Yeah, you're pulling it back. That's good, because you did ask about, about those two. I... I don't. I don't honestly think so. Only because it's, it's very, tough, right? The the performance of Teddy very much seems to have come out of the mind. I would say mm. out of the mind of Donald Glover or yeah. Stephen Glover, whoever wrote that. Yeah. But it was a clearly thought, thought out. We want to make him like Michael Jackson, but we want to change this. Mm. We want to have this. Like, no, I don't think it works. For, I mean, you know, you say that you, you know, know that, right? You can you can always find actors to do it, but mm. the performances are also. 
you know, it's a good thing to bring up to people because I'm saying this as I always say this as like a follow format. So people watch this and try to recreate it. Like you're not going to be able to recreate it without some decent actors. Mm. It's a really important point. You know, the 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 selling of the switches is what works here. Mm. Now I have seen bad horror films that sell those switches well. So it's not like you need the most amazing actors in the world, but they have to be able to sell the changes. We had to believe Teddy was Teddy. We mm. had to believe. You know, Benny, at least at the end, was Benny. We had to believe that Darius would stay there. Mm. Those are all difficult performances, especially with the Darius staying there. Yeah. Like, he has to stay completely in character he's for that. He's so natural. Like, he's so naturalistic with it as well. Like, I, you know, sometimes you do watch a horror film and you're like, oh my God, what an idiot. Uh, why didn't they leave? No, I mean, and it's, you don't, you it's don't again feel saying, could it this? be any other character? Like, who else could you stick in that situation from the Atlantic cast? No one. Like, Darius right. <laughs> is the one who doesn't flinch mm. when things get weird. Right, and so right. he's the only one. You know, Earn flinches. That's yeah, yeah, part yeah. of the show is, like, how he needs to learn to flinch less yeah. in things that get weird. You know, I, as I said, it, this is followed by one of my favorite episodes where he just stops the car to have a fight with the guy that I'm scared with. Because he just can't take it anymore. He gets the shit kicked out of him. And I'm sorry, I think I told you. I'm like, I've been there. I've definitely been there. <laughs> I'm going to knock you. No, I'm not. I'm going to hurt right now. But I have to do it anyway. So, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. The performances, you're right, Ed. I think you definitely had to. You definitely had actors that knew what they were supposed to be getting. So, I don't know if it's just them or whether it was the combination of them working with Hero and them all talking through. It was clear this had been a really well thought out episode. Yeah. That's, I guess, the only thing I can say in conclusion is that this shows pre-planning. Mm. This shows a lot of pre-planning and a lot of... And this isn't like... So when I say pre-planning, some people think it's all like chart sheets and whatever. Like, no, it's just sitting in a room and talking through the story until it works, until mm. it makes sense to people. So, yeah. And very brave as well. Like, because it doesn't really advance the you know the the story of atlanta the the thing that's going At all. on and it was close to the end you were three episodes from the yeah. you know the 10 episodes very brave so very brave. brave it deals with whiteface i mean it's the other reason the woke you know people who don't like the woke crowd would probably have a comment or two about well we don't like blackface when mm. we like whiteface like mm. it had to be done a certain way here yeah and i think it works yeah. like I, I i hate to say that um but i think it works mm. in this one but yeah, just controversial stuff. Good fun. But thank you all for listening. We just wanted to dissect it, go through it. I just hope you all watch it and then let me know what you think in the comments. Um, that's all I've got for today. Ed, do you have anything else that you want to talk about? Um, no. Uh, oh, uh, we are going to be talking about um, the new Critical Role show. Yes. Yeah, so we're trying to do some link-ins with the stuff we do on Dirty 20 because I don't know if you've caught any glimpses of the new animation. It's by a team called Critical Role. Critical Role are basically the D&D people of YouTube. Um, They're kind it, of one of the big reasons why D&D has, has exploded, exploded in popularity. And, and, yeah. and they're worth the time. That's yeah. the other thing I should say. I always say it kind of with jealousy because we, we run a YouTube show as well. These guys are good and they know what they're doing. And they've, they've come along a long enough way that they've got some decent actors and actresses to, to go ahead and do... An animation that's... I mean, I watched the first 10 minutes of it. Was, it was in stitches. Ed's doing some reaction videos, which we're going to have up um, at some point. Uh, and I don't know how we're going to do it yet, but but he's given it to me and said, produce these, please. So I'm, I'm now in the midst of that. But yes, I think next week we were going to run a show just talking about it um, and just going through it and linking it back to our Dirty 20 crowd in case any of those crossovers want to happen. That's how we generate business, guys. And so. there's been some really good animation. Yeah, uh, it's just of. the kind of thing... In, in, you know, what, what made me think, Ed, is we had one of the, the best podcasts we did, and, and you guys tell me why this is. One of them, and it's still one of the most referenced one, was our podcast on Invincible. 
No, I don't. I don't oh, get that. Like, yeah. I I enjoyed it. Mm. It wasn't one of my top picks for the year, but I enjoyed. It. But I'm telling you, people over and over and over again go back to that mm. podcast to listen to what we said about that. That's why I thought this one would be good because this is another animation on Prime. It's an adult animation, so it's not made for kids mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, don't let your kids watch this. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. But it's a different take. It almost blends a certain element of some of the the visceralness that we saw in Invincible mm. with the funniness of Below Deck, which most people haven't watched, but you should be. Lower Star decks, Trek. yeah. Lower decks, yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Below deck. Sorry, that's the reality show that that, <laughs> that you. Yeah, yeah that's oh, right. so good, so good, so good. <laughs> <laughs> only because Ed Below Deck is it literally it's like you know The Bachelor is ridiculous because you have like what 20, 20 women you know semi sleeping with one guy being like I don't know if he's gonna like me or not like I don't know why <laughs> why would you put yourself through this like you know back in the day when I was a single man you can't get one woman to sleep with you what, what, so I've, I've got a new uh, co-worker at uh, the Stag and she used to work on like uh, on cruises being a singer and entertainer okay stuff. okay so she could have, and she's so, got some crazy stories yeah man like like you know they just they, the problem is they're all young and they're really dumb and so it's all about like and my my stepsister put me onto this she always puts me on these types of shows because she's like <laughs> go home turn your brain off and turn it on and becky always picks them up and then i'll watch later but yeah every season it's like we had this on boat romance and i just don't know why it didn't work out and you're like uh you could just watch two seasons of this and it would make sense to you why it didn't work. But <laughs> like the train wreck, you just want to watch it every time. You know what I mean? So see what new idiot they've got on the boat. So anyways, not below deck, lower decks, which is good. But if you don't like Star Trek, the next, I'd say you have to like like the modern Star Trek. Star yeah. Trek The Next Generation, Voyager, or Deep Space Nine, then lower decks is like your jam. Like they yeah. are. It will make you laugh so hard. Yeah. The only problem is with that show is I don't really think it appeals to many it's people. It's not a broad appeal. No. But there's a lot of Trekkies in the world, so you know yeah, yeah, they, so. they know their audience. So this one, like I think will have a broader appeal only because when I watch this like I could see people getting into this. I, I could also see the benefit the reason I called Ed is I could see the benefit of podcasts reaching out to people and saying, you should be watching this. Like, don't be afraid of it because it's D&D. It's quite, quite funny. Yeah. So next week, we will get into the weeds with that. We will talk about it. Probably have some ongoing stuff as well. I'll probably give, you know, Ed a kick up the butt with Dirty 20. Maybe we'll do a, a one shot or something with that based yeah. on maybe some craziness from it. But um, yeah, until then, folks, please check out Teddy. Let us know what you thought in the comments. And until next time, see you then. Bye bye. Leaving room for